All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Win Daily Show. My name is Michael Raziel, and I'm here with my man, Sia Najad. Sia, it's nine o'clock at night. Do you know where your kids are? Um, I do. Uh, the more important question is, where am I going to be at 1.30 in the morning? Uh, Michael, am I going to be watching Korean baseball? Well, no, you're not on the West Coast, man. East, Co- You're at East Coast. It's 4.30 in the morning. Are you going to be oh watching God. Korean baseball at 4.30 in the morning? That's a good oh question. Oh, my God. Uh, only if I get a hot pick, man. I need I need somebody to kind of spill the beans on what 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 guys to take. I know Dan Straley is over there. That's like the only yeah. player I know. Um, Aaron Althair as well. Uh, he was a Met, and I think he had like three hits and about 100 at bats. So that's a... That's a <laughs> That's my one uh, Korean baseball statistic I have. But again, thank you so much to everybody watching now. This will also be in podcast form in the late evening hours. But C and I are here. We got some fun stuff to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit more about Korean baseball. Obviously, the NFL schedule was just released, so we're very excited to chit-chat about that a little bit. Some of the lines for week one are out already, and some of just the generalities of sports. Some things are starting to trickle back in. We have some golf to talk about. We know Sia is a very big golf fan, but let's go back to the Korean baseball for a second. I think it is absolutely fantastic that I can wake up. I get up at like six, six fifteen in the morning. I wake up, I make my cup of coffee. I throw on ESPN two. And it's all these random baseball players. I've never seen no fans in the stands and Carl Ravish and Eduardo Perez are just telling me about all these random guys that I've never seen. And I never thought I'd do that. I never thought I'd be in a world where that would need to happen, but here we are. And I am so so grateful for it. So yeah, have you watched any of the games at all yet? No, and I have a question for you. And by the way, for anybody that's watching, we will get to the NFL schedule, but 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 hold tight because this is an important question actually that I have for you. So they're practicing social distancing out there, so there's no fans. Is that what you're telling me? Correct. No fans okay. in the stands. So now you have watched a baseball game, granted, with people you generally don't know, and there's been no fans in the stadium. Like, what is are, are the announcers sort of holding their own and almost distracting you from that? Or like how, how, no. what's the feeling? Yeah, so you're you're uh, from Florida, right? Yes. Well, I'm so from DC, but I live in South okay. Florida now. You you live in South Florida. So you have seen a Tampa Bay Rays game before? <laughs> and a Marlins game, yes. And a Marlins game. So you know exactly what it's like. You have you, you barely even notice there's just not Marlins man sitting behind the stands. Honestly, and I I do mean that in a mean way, but also in a literal way that you really can't tell. I mean, yeah, there's usually crowd noise here and there, but honestly, it's like watching a Tampa Bay Rays and Toronto Blue Jays game. I don't know any who half of the players are. I know some of them because they're kind of old. And yeah, that's about it. It's about the same amount. So, Michael, I have one more question about Korean baseball for you. So you are you are a true baseball fan. You always have been, correct? Love it. Absolutely. So you you would be in the category of people that might like subscribe to those unwritten rules, with which the casual baseball fan like myself does not subscribe to. So my understanding in Korean baseball, they do the bat flip. They sort of show off when they hit a home run. Are you pro or are you con? You hate it? Hundred percent pro. Pro. I'm all for it. Okay. I mean, there's certain unwritten rules that I do believe in. Like, don't bunt with a no hitter if you're up by like three or four runs. Like that. There's there's certain ones. Yeah. There's really no no necessity there. But bat flips, dude, have you seen some of these bat flips coming out of the Korean Baseball League? They throw that thing like 10 feet high. They're just whipping them around. They're having a blast. And I love it. Show me emotion, man. So what I miss about baseball, like they don't care. They don't let the players be happy. They don't let them show emotion. It's the weirdest thing in the world to me. And the best way to market yourself is have your superstars show emotion. And in that, that that formula is so easy to understand and Major League Baseball just refuses to embrace it. I'll tell you what, though, the only bat flip I can remember from an MLB standpoint, correct me if I'm wrong, if I got this name wrong, it is Jose Bautista that he used to play for Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. 
It was the most furious bat flip I've ever seen. And if, if for anybody listening or that's listening on the podcast tomorrow, if you haven't seen that thing, please go to YouTube. It is it is a celebration and it's freaking awesome. It is beautiful. And there was actually one more that I really loved this past postseason. Uh, Yadier Molina hit a walk-off single, if I'm not mistaken, against the Braves. He takes the bat all the way out. He rounds first base and he just chucks it into right field. The weirdest thing I've ever seen is completely unnecessary, very dangerous, but Hey, Yachty's going to do what Yachty's going to do. So that's, that's Korean baseball. We really don't know what's going on. We have some guys that are going to be coming on next week to talk about picks and DFS a little bit to hang out. So that way everybody out there can get a little, make a little bit of money. Cause that's what we're here to do at wind daily. We're here to help you guys make some money. So we're excited about that. But as Sia said, we are going to get to the NFL schedule. Do you want to, do you want to hit that now? See, or you want to talk about golf first, maybe, or what do you, you, you want to do? First of all, I, so if if there was ever sort of a be with somebody in a back alley, kind of like for a fight, Yadier Molina, I mean, that's probably from in Major League Baseball, like like the Anthony Masons of, of like the 80s or the Charles Oakleys, those guys that like you did not want to mess with. Is there a better candidate than Yadier Molina off in Major top, League Baseball? Yeah, off the top of my head, probably not. Um just like he's, he has that grit too. He's that catcher. So, you know, he's kind of angry all the time because he's always in a squat and, you know, I feel like he's got some torque in his hips, like off the top of my head, I think that's the guy I'm going to lean on. So I would have to give you that. But if you gave me a little bit more time, maybe towards the end of the show, if I can think of somebody else that I wouldn't, that I really wouldn't want to fight in an alley, or I would prefer having back me up, I'll let you know. So, okay. I'll tell you what, before we get to the NFL golf, I, I don't, I don't think people sort of know this, but it's really been hot and heavy from both a sports betting and a DraftKings FanDuel standpoint for the last like four or five weeks. So much so that the actual Outlaw Tour, which is actually showcasing all these events in Arizona, because again, in Arizona, golf courses have been an essential business throughout the pandemic. But they have really upgraded, the Outlaw Tour has upgraded the, how they show golf. They, they have like a Periscope feed for a lot of the featured players. Uh, you can bet you can bet not only pre-flop, you know, in terms of before the tournament, but throughout the tournament, you can bet they have showdowns in DraftKings and in FanDuel showdown slates. Well, in DraftKings, for sure, showdown slates where every single day there's a new tournament to bet. It's pretty fantastic. And last time we were on here, Michael, I told you that I had taken some random guy as my outright pick, Matt Picanzo. And when we talked last, he was one shot back with one day to go. Matt Picanzo won. Sia Najat has done it again. Stay tuned for my picks next week. It's in Scottsdale, and there's actually some real PGA players that are playing in this one starting in a few days. So stay tuned. Get on at Sienna Jad. Get on at Wind Daily Sports. Like honestly, I mean, I got an outright. We're three tournament, like three tournaments in in terms of of me betting them. So dude, let's go. It. That's what I'm talking about, man. Look at you, and that's why you get paid the big bucks, right? You get paid the big bucks. That's why you look so damn good. So I will tell you. I don't follow anything in the outlaw tour. That's why I appreciate you and what you do. And I appreciate that you won some money. How much, how much did you put down? You don't have to tell us how much you won. Uh, uh, out I'm of curiosity. How much did you put down? I'm so embarrassed at how little I put down. Um, I actually, I, I even think I referenced it last time we were on here. So honestly, I'm not going to say, and usually people don't say because like they've won like thousands and like, you know, they just don't want to say it. You know, it was it was in the low hundreds and it makes me feel really sad because I got an outright. And when you get an outright, you want to have like fifteen hundred in the bank at least or a thousand. And it's it's nowhere near there. It'd be, you know, the reality was it was the outlaw tour and I was investing a lot in DraftKings as it was. And I just didn't feel comfortable. Just so here I am. You know, anytime anybody wins, they're always like, well, I should have put more on it. So, well, it, you know, of course, go. right. Hindsight's always going to be 2020. It is a little frustrating. Of course, I wish you put a million dollars on that guy because you would have cashed out. But hey, it is what it is. Now, you know, next time 
throw a couple you you won this Monday night you're playing with the house and you know we'll see what happens there so I do love it and I will say one one last thing about golf I lived in Arizona golf is an essential business there it is insane the amount of people you will run into that are just going coming from the golf course going to the golf course or thinking about the golf course so I can understand where they're coming from there especially in some of the rural like right outside the city there's not that many people it's a great place I loved it I lived there for six months right outside of Phoenix but I can understand why uh, Arizona decided to keep their golf courses open because that's really all there is there. It was wonderful, but that's really all there is there. And if there was ever a sport to actually practice social distancing throughout a pandemic, it was golf. Honestly, there were people that kind of thought golf shouldn't have ever been you know, taken off in the first place. And of course, everybody's sort of come around to that uh, in terms of them suspending the PGA Tour. But I mean, listen, you, you can literally stand six feet away from somebody for the entire 18 holes if you really want to. So mm-hmm. it is primed to come back. As you know, it's coming back. Um, well, we have the Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady thing. But then we also, of course, we have like real PGA golf coming out in uh, June. And then, you know, we can talk about it, you know, m- maybe uh, this episode or another one. But, you know, Major League Baseball looks like they're gearing up for July 1st. Um, which I'm sure you're super excited about and, and the NBA is trying to figure some stuff out too. So I'm, I'm super are. excited. The NBA, just, uh, just to touch on that, the NBA, uh, Larry Nance is the first player, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that came out today and was like, Hey, like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go practice. Like it's an open gym and I need to, I need to do something. So he's going to go there and kudos to him considering the Cavaliers are nowhere near making the playoffs. So we'll see what happens to him there, but Hey, it's something to do. I guess maybe that's the gym's going to be super empty because no one's going to want to be there because they're probably not going to be playing the rest of the season anyway. So we will see. Good luck to them. But I think I think it's about that time. See ya. I think it's about that time. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL schedule. So it was released at eight o'clock. So only about an hour ago as of right now. We got the list of the Monday night games. We got the list of the Sunday night games. Week one, the betting lines are already out, which is fantastic. So where where do you want to start with this, Sia? So, you know, the, the first thing I looked at, because I know in terms of teams that are just going to pop off to people in terms of, hey, what's their schedule? I feel like the Buccaneers is the schedule everybody wants to look at because, you know, you either have, you know, you're either high on, you know, Tampa Bay or you're really low on Tampa Bay. There's really not a lot of middle ground there. So, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now and and they're at the Saints on -hmm. on in week one, like, you know, listen, they don't even, they're not even going to get the benefit of a full training camp in all likelihood. They're not going to get a benefit of a full preseason in all likelihood. So you've got a new quarterback, some new tools on offense, and you have to face the Saints in New Orleans. Like that could be, that that is literally like the worst possible start for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just from a one game standpoint. And so here, here's the fun part and, and why Vegas agrees with you. What do you think that betting line is for the Bucks versus Saints in, uh, in the Superdome? So... It's in the Superdome, but but you know the Bucks are obviously going to get some public love too. So it's 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 interesting because I think they're going to take some money, and I think the line is going to the line that you're looking at that I'm not looking at Correct. is going to anticipate that. So I would probably say it, it could be as high as four and a half, but if it's any higher than that, I'd be surprised. Six and a half to the Saints. Whoa, via Caesar's okay, Palace. So. so yeah, I think take it take it while it's hot if you want it. If you're feeling one way of those lines, it's going to come down. I agree with you. The public is going to do what the public does, and they're going to ride Tom Brady like they have. But I, I don't know, man. I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints just blow them out. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't be, Early in yeah. the year, Sean Payton, I, I just can't see him. I mean, I don't know. Six and a half is a lot, but still. 
Six and a half is a lot for a good team, and we'll see how good they are week one. But one thing to consider, and this is what I'm going to consider when I look at all these lines, and Michael, I, I think both you and I are going to be on SiriusXM this weekend, the Fantasy Sports Channel, and, and this is something I'm going to definitely want to discuss uh, when we're on Saturday and Sunday. But, you know, without practice time or without sufficient practice time with respect to training camp and preseason, you know, the – the error is going to be on the offense. The errors are going to be on the offense. Like they're not going to be up to speed. It, it, like, as you know, it's much easier for a defense to sort of acclimate themselves to, mm-hmm. to new surroundings, to a lack of practice versus the offense. So when you have a line of six and a half and you know, there's two good teams, if you're not taking the, if, if you're not taking the plus six and a half, I just feel like you're, you're not understanding what's going on. You know, if that line adjusts down to four and a half or four, especially for it's a different conversation, but with the defense is probably dominating in the first couple of weeks, I'll take six and a half all day to a team that I think is going to win nine or 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's a weird line, especially, I mean, we, I just got the bleacher report notifications coming from Caesar palace, obviously a pretty reputable source. And I did think that was a little high. That just is a little darn too high for me. So it is what it is, but we'll, uh we'll keep it rocking and rolling, man. Do you, um is, are there any other games on the buck schedule in particular? That so you're looking I'm, at that. Yeah. So I'm looking at it now. So, so week two, they're home against the Panthers. I mean, that's just going to be an absolute blowout. I mean, the, I, I think it is because, because at this point, I think Tom Brady and everybody will sort of be in a groove. Don't forget, they've got Rico Gronkowski there too. So I actually forgot that as I was just talking about the Bucks. Though the game I want to talk about, though, they're at the Broncos week three on September 27th. Mm-hmm. I re- like you, you might have heard me on serious. I like the Broncos over total of seven and a half. I really like what they've done with their offense. Their team, I believe, last year won four out of their last five games. Drew Locke looks like a quarterback that nobody expected him to be. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got all, he seems to have all the tools and he seems to have all the confidence that you'd want in a young quarterback. So the reason I bring that game up, they have to go to Denver. Again, by week three, the offenses will be acclimated, but not as much as the defenses. I'm looking for an upset special. I like Denver in that game at home against the Buccaneers. I think Denver takes it, and I think the line is going to certainly favor the Bucs, but I'm looking for an upset special there. Yeah, and in that case, uh, you get to you get a couple extra points to play with just in case because I agree with you. I do think the Bucks are obviously going to be favored in that game, especially because it's so early in the year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos are one of those surprise teams, as you said, what they did with their offense in the draft in particular, their first two picks being Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. Uh, so I'm very excited. Next week, we're going to have Nick on, and he's going to be able to talk a little bit more to the fantasy aspects as well, uh, now, sort of this season long too. You got your receivers confused, though, because C.D. Lamb's with the Cowboys. Oh, my I goodness. Believe- that second yeah. receiver KJ wasn't Baylor Rager, but it was oh K- AJ Hamler. That's right. KJ Hamler. I apologize, Hamler. everybody. Please here, cheers to me. Sorry, guys. But yeah, Hamler, Judy, you, mm-hmm. you have obviously, you know, the, the receiver. Um, I feel bad for Deshaun Hamilton because I think I think he's gonna go by the wayside. But Cortland Sutton is there. I mean, yep. they've they've kind of got it all on offense. They've got Noah Fant, of course, and then they brought in Melvin Gordon, and they still have Philip yeah. Lindsay, who is constantly disrespected. Mm-hmm. But the just those guys that I said with if Drew Lock is just even average, uh, that team is gonna hit their seven and a half win total. Excuse me, they're gonna hit their eight to cover their seven and a half win total. So right. I'm crossing yeah, my fingers like for one. you, man. And hopefully you put more than uh ten bucks down on that <laughs> on that pick. Has that has that sound? How's that sound? Um are there Smart. any other, you know, again, I love talking about the Bucks here. Are there any other of these games that you're looking at? It's it's a weird schedule. They have the Packers, they have the Vikings, uh both at home, uh, opposite ends of the season finish with the Falcons, then the Lions, then the Falcons in three games, but also Kansas City Chiefs Buccaneers, November 29th. 
that's going to be a fun one. How, how wow. do you, I mean, that's kind of far down the road, so I don't think we can uh, speculate too, too much about it, but as a whole, how did, you know, did you, what is the over under total for the bucks this year? I apologize. Is it nine, nine and a half? It is nine. Yeah. Okay. No, excuse me. It's 10. The over under with the Buccaneers is 10. And actually the juice is to the over in a lot of places. So again, this is public money. They, they see Tom Brady. They see what Godwin and Evans did. They hear about Gronk. All of a sudden, you know, obviously the public's going to be all over that. You know, we internally at Win Daily, we've had our arguments with respect to, you know, that over. I'm, I'm not touching that over personally. Um, but I do think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to sneak in. Um, but I don't think they're hitting their win total of 10 or 10 and a half, whatever it ends up being. I wouldn't be surprised if they do end up nine and seven. Uh, we do have that extra playoff spot this year. And then next year is when we get the extra game. So I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I More from a storyline perspective, I really hope the Patriots suck. I mean, that is just something that I'm crossing, crossing, crossing my fingers for. So do you, uh, do you have the Patriots schedule in front of you? Because I think that's what they call in the biz a segue. Yeah, I have it in front of me. You know what's interesting about the Patriots is their win total is 10. I like I don't understand how their win total and and by the way I don't I'm not dubious about their win total because of the Bills and the Jets and the Dolphins like I'm not mm-hmm. really scared of any of those teams you know how I feel about the Bills I mean I think their win total is going under for sure that's that's probably my my safest bet of the year is Bills under nine uh, because your worst case is a push there and I think they're probably going to win seven or eight games major regression for that team the problem with the Patriots winning ten games they play the NFC West and the AFC West out of conference. So, I mean, let's, let's just think about the teams in those divisions. I mean, yeah, you might, you might pound on the Raiders and maybe the chargers a little bit, but those other six teams are all very good. I mean, you can make arguments about Arizona and the Rams in terms of whether they're good or not, but the other four teams are really good teams and you're rolling out Stidham and basically no receivers and some sort of like what most people would think are sort of like washed up ish running backs. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're going to win 10 games. Like I, I, can you explain that? I, I don't understand where that's coming from. It's the bill Belichick effect. It's literally yeah. the only thing I can think of. I mean, he's smarter than all of us put to put together when it comes to football. So, I mean, if he thinks he can win with Stidham, did anyone actually think he could win with Brady when Brady came in for Bledsoe and Bledsoe was healthy and everyone's like, well, you got to put Bledsoe back in. Right. And he's like, no, nah, it's cool. I'm good. <laughs> I'm just going to go win six Super Bowls. Sorry, guys, go to nine. You know, so it's it's one of those things where sometimes we might look at something and think that's ridiculous and he sees something else. And again, I don't think, you know, it would be funny if Tom Brady does go to the Buccaneers and it's just completely washed up and everyone's like, oh my goodness, it wasn't the receivers. Watch Jared Sidham come out, throw for 3,500 yards this year, have a nice 20-something touchdown total, you know, something like that. But I, I don't know, man, it's weird. It's uncomfortable, but I'm not going to touch that one just as you're not going to touch the Buccaneers. It's just, I can't handle it. Let me ask you this. Are, so I'm looking at, at this printout. It's a grid of the schedule. And this seems to indicate that New England plays Pittsburgh week one. But I thought I heard it was that they were playing the Dolphins week one. Can you tell I me have, about looking at the lines? I have the Dolphins here on my computer and on... Yes, Dolphins, Pats, yep. Pats favored by five and a half that first week. They also have the Seahawks on the road second week in Seattle, uh, mm-hmm. eight twenty. That's a looks like a Sunday night game. I'm assuming I'm a nine twenty off the top of my head. I don't know. Yeah, that's Sunday night. They have the Chiefs on the road uh, a couple weeks later. They have the 49ers at home. They have the Broncos at home. Uh, the Ravens, the Texans, the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I mean, like, just stop right there. Like, yeah. I, I'm like, like for the first time in my life, I'm actually feeling sad for the Patriots. Like, no, those teams, it. I know, 
So, so what you're telling me, what you're telling me is not only do they have to play the NFC West and the AFC West, but it sounds to me like by, based on what you just said, that they're, their two extra games because of you know strength of schedule mm-hmm. issues are against really badass teams. I like yep. Houston would be one of them, and, and I believe the Ravens would be the other yep. one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's borderline unfair. Ravens are at home, but Houston is on the road and they're in back to back weeks. Uh, Ravens being a Sunday night game, it looks like 8 20. Uh, so I don't know, man. At 10 and 10 seems a little too damn high if you ask me. Let me ask you this, because this is really important when it comes to sports betting. We'll talk about this, you know, this weekend. We'll talk about it with Nick for sure. The second and third game, and again, uh, this schedule's off, so I'm going to defer to you. The second and third game, did you say we're at Seattle and at Kansas City? No. So at Seattle was the second game. Home against the Raiders is the third, and the fourth game is at Kansas City. At Can- Okay, so here's the good news. Social distancing is going to be a real thing at at the very least for the first eight weeks of this season, maybe the entire season, maybe through the Super Bowl. We don't know. There's no home field advantage in Seattle anymore, and there's no home field advantage in Kansas City anymore, at least with respect to week two and week four. We know that for a fact. Those screaming, they can't pump in noise. That's not allowed. Thank you, Atlanta, for solving that riddle. And then so so that 12th man, like Jared Stidham, that's a gift for him. If you're going to have hard games away, those hard games better be during social distancing time. He's going to be able to hear the snap count. Like this is a, an absolute gift for the Patriots. They'll still probably, honestly, I think they'll probably lose both of those games, but that is an absolute gift. I completely agree. But if you were to bet, which of those teams screws up and still pumps in crowd noise? <laughs> of those two teams, it would be Seattle. I would say Seattle as well. I feel like someone's going to, you know, lots of stuff, stuff is legal out at, uh, in Washington. Someone's <laughs> going to click a button by mistake. Um, so that's the Patriots. We talked about the Bucks a little bit. Who else is on your list of teams that you'd want to check out and see what their schedule is looking like this year? So I know you're itching to check the uh, New York football giants, but I'll tell you before we even get there, I'm really interested about the Green Bay Packers because that that dynamic I think could go really off the rails if Green Bay has a bad start to their season, particularly with that Jordan Love pick. So why don't you tell me the first four games for the Green Bay Packers? Away in Minnesota, home against the Lions, away against the Saints, home against the Falcons. So I could easily see them starting two and two. I could easily see them starting four and out. It's kind of a weird, weird start to the season. Yeah, interesting. What did you say the first game was? Uh, it was the Vikings away. Okay. In Minnesota. Away. So that, that's that's a tough game. Right right off the bat, that's a tough game. I, I don't, you know, the, the Packers won a lot of games. Just from a pure statistical standpoint, the Packers actually weren't very good and their record did not match their, their, their offensive and defensive stats. And honestly, I, I think Matt LaFleur is more of a handicap than he has a help to this team, not just in the draft room, but honestly, last year, there wasn't anything special that was going on with that offense. It was really just Aaron Jones running through some open holes and really just, you know, Get just knocking some wins out, but I'm actually a little worried about Green Bay this year. I, I could very easily see them missing the playoffs after an impressive record last year. Not helping the offense or the defense in terms of starters this year in the draft is a very big deal, especially for a team that really didn't justify its record last year. So that one, I'm I'm really I'm really interested in the Packers. I actually think the Vikings are a nice little sleeper uh, in that division. I think the Bears are going to be pretty terrible, and I think the Lions. I, I can see the Bears being the doormat of that division. I think the Lions are going to win more games than than people think. Okay, than people think. I thought you were going to say the Bears. I do think the Bears' defense is still insane. 
you still have Khalil Mack. You're able, you're able to put Robert Quinn on the other side of him. While it's for a ridiculous amount of money, in my opinion, I want the man to get paid. I want all the players to get paid. So good for him. But it was just, I don't know. It, it, it seems like they paid him a little much, but if he can do what he did last year, being opposite to Marcus Lawrence, and you know, we'll see what happens. He did pretty damn well last year. So we'll see what happens when he's opposite Khalil Mack. That's uh, one of those fantasy picks. I'm in an IDP league, so I'm always paying attention to those edge rushers a little bit. But it's it's interesting. I think Nick Foles will remind everyone that he's still Nick Foles. I think that part's very important. I think Mitchell Trubisky, I think their goal is to not let him play a single game this year because they don't want the, the backlash. Uh, but we will see how it goes, man. We will see how it goes. And that's a good point on the Packers. If they start a little wonky, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to take it out four more games for you. So they at Minnesota home against the lions at, uh, at the saints home against the Falcons at the bucks at the Texans home against the Vikings at the 49ers. That is wow. a brutal next four games. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. bucks, Texans, Vikings, Niners, that is a brutal next four games. And, and we know, I mean, we like, listen, I like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's still a very effective. He's obviously not the same as he was, you know, 10 no. years ago, but I think he's a very effective quarterback. I think he requires an additional weapon on offense. Listen, it doesn't even have to be a second receiver. It could be a tight end. Like he hasn't had any of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think if they start out, let's say they're three and five, or, or let's say they're four and four and they're like just middling and not even in the playoff in terms of the top seven. I mean, the way Aaron, I mean, the, the problem with Aaron Rodgers is his body language. And and, and that relationship with LaFleur could degrade to such an extent that knowing Aaron Rodgers, by week six, they could those two could not even be talking to each other. And then all of a sudden, all the airwaves are talking about, you know, you know, trading Aaron Rodgers, which I, oh. I, I honestly, I'm not trying to have a hot take here. I, I think that is a real possibility if this team is middling this year. I really do. I completely disagree. That's ridiculous. You don't trade Aaron Rodgers. And what are you going to get for him? You know, I've heard people, uh, you know, I was talking to my cousin and he was saying, well, you know, maybe, you know, a team like the Jags, they can throw you their first round pick, the Rams first round pick, and then your first round pick next year. So that's three first round picks. But who's actually, you're you're not going to trade three first round picks for a 37 year old quarterback who has two years and like $80 million left on his deal. It's, it just doesn't make sense. I think he's going to ride out his contract or they're just going to cut him before the last year and just kind of see what happens. Michael, are you re- first of all? It's not going to be the Jaguars because Aaron Rodgers will just come out and say, "I'm not playing for the Jaguars." Period. I don't know if he has a no trade clause or not. I, I, I don't. Yeah. But here, here's my hot take. Are you ready for it? Are you sitting down? You look like I'm, you're sitting down. I am sitting down. See, so yeah, absolutely. So the Green Bay Packers, they go through this season before the trade deadline. They're not looking so hot. That maybe maybe a rash of injuries. Not you know not to Aaron Rodgers. Jimmy Garoppolo is middling, and there's your swap right Get there. Get out of here. The here's why. Here's why. First of all, Jimmy Garoppolo is an average quarterback. He's not above average. He's not below average. He's just an average quarterback. So in terms of Kyle Shanahan getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, no big deal there. Kyle Shanahan knows. He turned Matt Ryan into an MVP. He And I understand like everybody thinks Matt Ryan is good, but I'm not one of those people. So he turned Matt Ryan into an MVP. So listen, he gets Aaron Rodgers presumably – mostly because he wants to play for Kyle Shanahan and and the 49ers. He gets Aaron Rodgers for another three to five years. Let's just be conservative, another three years. That gives him time to groom another quarterback. We know what Kyle Shanahan did with Robert Griffin III and and the Washington Redskins. We know what he did with Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. And you think he doesn't have the confidence to groom a running back real quick in three years while while Aaron Rodgers is in a sort of retirement mode? No, that could absolutely work. You make sense. That's the frustrating part. I want to completely disagree. And the the only reason I'm being a little bit nicer than maybe I would is because 
we saw seismic shifts and changes in the quarterback landscape this year that I honestly thought there was a 0.0% chance of happening. I thought there was no chance Tom Brady leaves the Patriots. It doesn't even make sense. I still don't believe it, and I won't believe it till I see him in the uniform. I I don't know. I think it's uh, it makes sense, but I also think that there's probably a little more involved um, if there's picks, cap space, that kind of stuff. I don't know that off the top of my head. It's an interesting take, though, Sia, and I want to be angry at you. I want to tell you you're stupid and you're wrong, but I can't do that. You're just too damn good looking. Thank you so much. Listen, if, if Brady in his 42-43 season can all of a sudden be a Super Bowl contender on another team, so can Aaron Rodgers. And, and frankly, exactly. you know, other people have have sort of laid this ground, whether it be Brett Favre or Joe Montana, but this is not a foreign concept. And, and as crazy as we thought it was for Favre to ever leave the Packers, you know, however many years ago that was, it happened. And not only did he leave the Packers, he went to another team after that and honestly was pretty successful, if not for a, just a ridiculously bad throw when he was playing for Minnesota in the conference championship game. They go to the Super Bowl and maybe win it. Um, I think he threw. I think he threw that game. <laughs> he, Brett Favre knows you don't run to your right and then throw the ball back across your body to the left on the other side of the field. He knows that. Like okay. it makes no sense. That statement that you just said is absolutely true, except for beginning it with Brett Favre. Oh, like damn, that is right. literally the only quarterback in the world that would actually try to make that throw. And That's it was a, a terrible point. throw. The timing of it was terrible. It just made no sense where they were on the field. It made no sense. I have a friend named Nick James, uh, who is a, just a gigantic Minnesota Vikings fan. And every time it's a missed field goal, or it's one of those Brett Favre passes, they are just a team destined for, you know, failure when it matters. Unfortunately. Or they go to Philadelphia and just get romped. That was yes. terrible. I hate the Eagles, and that was just something I did not enjoy watching. That what was her name. What was that lady's name they had there? The hundred and five year old lady. She's like, I can't wait. And they're like, No, they hated her. They threw batteries <laughs> at her or whatever. Speaking of Philadelphia, there's a lot of noise about you know Philadelphia in the offseason enjoyed sort of that that talk about listen, you know that that's the cream of the crop in the NFC East. But the Cowboys are starting to generate a lot of momentum, especially with their draft. I mean, a lot of people are like, Oh, splash with Ceedee Lamb, but. The next few rounds, they had really good picks. I thought CeeDee Lamb, we had the NFL draft live stream, Michael, with, with a few <laughs> others. I thought CeeDee Lamb was a bad pick, not because I don't like CeeDee Lamb, but because I thought they had other needs. But they addressed most of those needs in the draft with like real, real guys. Absolutely. So I'd, I'd actually like to know what the Cowboys um, schedule looks like, at least on the front end, to mm -hmm. see if they can generate the momentum they need. Yeah, I have the Cowboys and the Eagles up, so we'll be able to talk about them a little bit. So the Cowboys are away at the Rams, uh, 9-13, so it looks like that's the Sunday night game. Uh, home against the Falcons, away against Seattle, and then home against the Browns, home against the Giants, home against the Cardinals. So I really wouldn't be surprised if they only lose one of those first six games, and then that seventh game's against the Redskins. So they could be looking pretty damn good to start start out. Of the, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot you're a Redskins fan. Oh, Sam, I'm so sorry. My bad. So listen, I am willing to bet, and, and I have not seen, I've obviously not seen the schedule. You've told me everything I know about the schedule other than the Buccaneers, which I knew about. That's got to be the, the easiest first seven weeks in the league. It has to be. Like literally, if I, if I could hand for the, if I was a, you know, if I was handpicking the schedule for the Redskins, who, you know, I'm a fan of, mm -hmm. I, I honestly, like it would have to be at least six of the seven teams you just mentioned. I mean, that is the, or, or one of them was the Redskins. It would have to be like at least five of those. I mean, it's crazy that they, they, I, they literally could be six and one very easily. The that's, Seahawks, that's unbelievable. we spoke about it, the Rams and the Cardinals, not really sure. Um, the Rams have so much money and just a dead cap from trading away Brandon Cooks, trading and cutting Todd Gurley that 
you, it's really difficult to build a team when 15, 18% of your cap is literally tied up in players that don't play for you anymore. Very, very mm-hmm. difficult to do that. So it's going to be interesting in LA. I don't know. I still think the Cowboys take that one home. Seahawks, I think, obviously, is going to be a difficult game, having to go to the West Coast, play them there. But as you were talking about before, which was a really good point, if we're not allowed to have all of our fans in the stands, maybe you have to have 50% capacity or whatever, something like not that. Even. Not, yeah, even. not even, maybe. You yeah. know, that's a good point. Home field advantage really isn't going to be a thing, and that's it, it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, I'll still watch every single game, don't get me wrong, but it's definitely going to be something. I mean, when you're looking at win totals, so I was looking at win totals, you know, bef- like not not thinking of the pandemic because, you know, two months ago when I was looking at win totals because we knew what what teams each team were playing, you know, you you assume that the pandemic is over by September, you know, two months mm-hmm. ago. Now we know that we're going to be dealing with it for, you know, indefinitely to some degree. Yeah. So when you consider win totals two months ago, you're thinking of home field advantage or lack of home field advantage. But honestly, there are some teams here that you should be like, you know, to the extent you can quote rush to the window or to your sports book online or whatever it is. I mean, the the cat listen, the Cowboys win total is nine and a half. And honestly, this is this this number I think has creeped up to 10, perhaps, which is a little finicky because the Eagles win total is very high too. So um, but they're 22 to one to win the Super Bowl. I know the NFC is really tough, but Honestly, knowing what those first seven games are and knowing that they don't have some, you know, like they don't have a great home field advantage. So that that's not a problem for them. But going mm-hmm. to Seattle, well, well, that would have been a problem for them. Here's the big thing about the Cowboys that I think we all need to consider. So the schedule is amazing, obviously, but they don't have Jason Garrett anymore. Mm-hmm. Like they have presumably a very real coach. And I'm sorry, you're the Giants fan. So I know Jason Garrett is over there, the clapper. Uh, and that is like one of the more curious hirings of all time. But the point is, with a real coach, with new offensive weapons, I mean, this this team is is kind of loaded, and they're in a perfect situation. I, I mean, I, I'm I, I'm going to probably throw some money on that Cowboys Super Bowl pick, and just hope I can start hedging it in the playoffs. It can't hurt. I think they will make the playoffs. The uh, NFC least, as many people like to call it, the Giants are still going to be bad. While they may have addressed a little bit of their offense, they didn't address their defense really at all. I mean, they brought in a couple free agents, but I don't think that's going to change the game there. So I think the Giants are still going to suck. Sorry, see, I think the Redskins are kind of going to suck too. And the Eagles are just weird. You know, Carson Wentz is, it's, you can almost pencil it in. He's going to miss a couple games with something or he's going to be hurt and their wide receivers are all going to, I don't know, do something that makes no sense, drive off a cliff. I, I don't know. It makes no sense to me how bad <laughs> the Eagles are with all the talent that they've had the last few years. So I would agree with you. I think the Cowboys come out of that division. So I don't, you know, I I don't think it's a question if they make the playoffs, it's, you know, what seed they are within the playoffs, but man, I just hate the Cowboys. Just a couple of the other games on the schedule. They do have the, obviously the Eagles a couple of times. They have the Steelers, the Vikings, they do have the Ravens, the 49ers and the Bengals, I guess. So, you know, two losses and a win there in some capacity. So we'll see. I think the Cowboys have a very, very easy beginning of the schedule. It definitely starts to toughen up again that last half with the Steelers, the Vikings, the Ravens and the 49ers uh, along the way. So it, that first, first half is going to be pretty easy. Second half might be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But, but again, I, I think before, while I like the Eagles to win the NFC East, I'm starting to change my mind. And by the way, you mentioned Carson Wentz getting injured, injured. So they play the Redskins week one, and I think it's mm-hmm. at Philadelphia. So the reason no, it's, I think it's, it's in Washington, it's in Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even better. 
Well, I guess, again, home field advantage. I mean, listen, there's there's no home field advantage for the Redskins these days in Washington. But here's the point. If Carson Wentz were to ever get injured, and this is not something I would ever root for, that defensive line for the Redskins is really good. So, you know, you have Montez Sweat and Kerrigan and and uh, Chase, Young, Chase Young. But then but then in the middle of that defensive line, you got the two Bama boys, Allen and Payne. Like, they are going to generate a ton of pressure. And Wentz is going to get – I mean, they, he better get – he better get that ball out of his hand quick because if there's one thing the Redskins can do, one thing, it's going to be rush the passer this year. And they're going to be, their defense is going to be a lot more um, highlight filmish than people mm-hmm. think for sure. I, I'm rooting for it except for two games out of the year. The only team the Giants can beat in the NFC East is the Redskins. So hopefully we can keep it like that. So as you bring that up, the line for the Eagles at the Redskins, six and a half to the Eagles. Again, seems like a big number, but the Redskins were terrible last year. So it's not too surprising. Yeah, I like the Redskins there quite a bit. I think I think the appropriate line there is probably four. Uh, you said six and a half. That that's just half. too many. Yeah, that's too many points. I, I think um, the Redskins are going to have a pretty conservative game plan. They're going to try to sort of milk the clock a little bit, keep Haskins sort of at bay. They don't want Haskins to have to make a tough throw. So you I think Kyle that's going to be a you mean Kyle, Kyle Allen, right? I I wish it were Kyle Allen. But no, they're going to roll out Haskins. If if Dan Snyder to, has yeah. anything to say about it, Dan, you know Haskins is going to be the guy at least for the first four to six to eight weeks. They're going to really just test him out, and then they're going to bring in Cam Newton. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, no, just a, can I can I tell yeah. you? First of all, I want to get to the Giants. Can I tell you where I think Cam I could Newton not care is less going? about the Giants? See, they're going to suck this year. Keep going. You're good. No, the only reason is because I wanted to rag on the Giants. But listen, you're right. We can skip that. Nobody cares about the Giants, obviously. Um, listen. I think Cam Newton is going to end up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's either going to be after a Ben Roethlisberger tweak of something or just, listen, they don't like what Mason Rudolph is still going to be their backup. I mean, does that make any sense after what we saw last year? I, I don't think Cam Newton, I understand he's probably not going to be the best sort of locker room guy because I, it, what I mean by that is I think a lot of the locker room guys will actually align with Cam Newton on some teams, but I don't think that'll happen in Pittsburgh because Ben just has too much clout. I think Cam would actually respect that clout. And I think Mike Tomlin is the type of guy that can really say to Cam, Hey, listen, you know, Ben's on, on a, on a short leash here in terms of time or, or potential of injury. You're going to get in, you're going to get in here, you know, sooner rather than later, just be, be a good guy. We're going to make it far this year. And you know, this is, you know, this is the role you have to play short term. I really think that's the perfect situation for Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton's done. He can't throw the ball. He's been pretty much just been injured for the last two straight years. And the last game I remember him playing, him throwing the ball against the Saints two years ago in that really late season game, week 14 or something, he couldn't throw the ball. And then he still had shoulder problems. And then he had a foot problem. It's just one of those things like he's taken such a beating because he runs the ball and the way he runs and his style. He was incredible, man. Don't get me wrong. I would never take anything away from him. He was amazing. I just don't think he has anything left. So I think, yeah, go to the Steelers. I mean, here's the thing. The Steelers won eight games last year with pretty much a net negative at quarterback. What other team can pop, sure. What other team can do that in the NFL? What other team says, all right, your quarterback is actually going to be worse. He's actually not going to help you. Not only is he not going to help you, he's actually going to make you worse. Go out and win eight games. How many teams in the NFL can do that? They almost made the playoffs. It's, it's unbelievable. Exactly. 
But but listen, b- back to Cam though. If there was a place for him to succeed, because exactly. I kind of agree with you. If there was a place for him to succeed, it would be in Pittsburgh. hundred trying to stand tall in the pocket. He's got Juju. He's got Deontay Johnson. He's got a plethora of receivers. They I think they drafted one this year as well. Am, am I right? Uh, no, I'm trying to I'm trying Not to remember that. who they drafted this year. But no, they've got they've got a ton of weapons. They they got Anthony McFarland at running back to help out with James Conner. He's kind of a beast, by the way. Talk about under the radar. So they've got plenty of weapons, and I just think he would actually be successful there. So that's that's it's sort of a hot take, but that's where I'm going with Cam. No, I like it, and it's a good point. And again, that's that's kind of my point. While I don't think Cam's not. I don't think he's good anymore. I think he's going to be better than Mason Rudolph plus Duck Hodges for 16 games or whatever it was, 14 games. So again, like they, maybe that's the one game they win. If they were nine and seven, I think they make the playoffs last year with their record. They would have been in the playoffs with the, the 17 schedule or the 17 playoff format. So, I mean, why not, you know, get those competent backups in there and, you know, see what the heck happens. You never know, man. You just never know. Um, so they did draft a receiver and he's really mm-hmm. good in my opinion, but he was never really talked about in the elite class. It's Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. Oh yes, you're right. Yep. The guy is gigantic. He's super fast. Uh, his wingspan is, is elite. Uh, his, you know, at the point of catch, he's he's really better than most guys that came out. So he's sort of a weird guy because he was a basketball player mm-hmm. first at Notre Dame. And then they weren't sure if he was a tight end or a wide receiver, which I think is just a perfect situation for him. Because if, if he can sort of play that sort mm-hmm. of mesh role of tight end and wide receiver, maybe be able to block, this guy could be a force. And I'm actually surprised he wasn't considered in that sort of top four or five uh, receiver rankings when uh, during the NFL draft. Yeah, I, I agree, especially after his, like, I think he ran a 440, 44 something at the combine, and everyone was yep. like, whoa, wait a second, what's going on here? So we'll see. Uh, I do agree he's kind of more of that tweener, but right now I don't think that's a problem in the NFL. I think they can actually utilize that. If they can utilize it correctly, I think he can be a force to be reckoned with, so we'll see there. And also, knowing that he was now a basketball player, we can put that down on our bingo board when we go into the season just to watch some of those games, how many how many times they bring that up. Uh, might as well just put that at the free Free space right along with, did you know that Larry Fitzgerald was a ball boy for the Minnesota Vikings? Bet you never knew that. You know Bet what? You I did know that because I saw. I think everybody I saw... knows that, Sia. That's the point. Everybody oh. knows it. Damn. Damn. <laughs> got you. All right. Bingo. You Good got stuff. me. Yep. Bingo. We got you. Um. All right. So a little bit more. I guess we were still talking about the Eagles. We kind of jumped in the Steelers for a second. The Eagles schedule, uh, Redskins, Rams, Bengals, 49ers, Steelers, Ravens. Ooh. Uh, Giants, Cowboys, Giants, Browns, Seahawks, Packers, Saints. Ooh, wow. This um, is tough. Cardinals, Cowboys, they end the season with the Redskins on uh, 1-3, so a couple days after New Year's. But, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty tough schedule. It uh, sounds like – yeah, it sounds like the Eagles and the Cowboys start out like relatively easy, and that's good. They can generate some momentum, but but things get really hard for Philadelphia, harder than they do for the Cowboys, frankly. Yeah. So that makes my Cowboys, you know, my Cowboys thought even like a little bit stronger. I think that's, I think if you're making a bet to win the NFC East, I don't see how you don't take the Cowboys at this point. It's, uh, I would, I would have to completely agree with you, but as we know, the Cowboys make no sense. So that's kind of the other side of that argument really don't have to go far there. So one thing I noticed is, you know, we're talking about all these teams and all these teams we love, you know, we haven't talked about the Super Bowl winning chiefs yet. So I think that's probably a good place to go next. Um, let's talk about the chiefs. As we know, one of the first things that was leaked is they do play the Texans on that Thursday night on the 10th, nine, 10, uh, in Kansas city, obviously. So that's the way we're going to open up the season. What amount of points do the Texans need to start the game to win? <laughs> so uh, the reason you ask 
of course, for those that sort of forgot or forgot how egregious of a failure that was for the Texans, the Texans started out that playoff game last year 24 to 0. And do you recall, I, I think that the final score was, was it 51 to 31 Kansas City? Yeah, they won by 20. So Bill O'Brien managed to get out coached 51 to 7 after a 24 nothing lead. And by the way, we, we have to stop here just for a second because at some point we needed to do a show, not on the live stream, but like a podcast on the rise of Bill O'Brien because it makes Ooh. no sense. It literally, he has not been successful anywhere. Now, don't get me wrong. The Texans have been pretty good. They, they, they seem to sort of always make they the playoffs always in spite make of the his playoffs. failure. But that's that's a Deshaun Watson thing lately. Honestly, he he wills them to. Well, to, he was to going win. to the playoffs with like no quarterbacks too. Granted, his division is a complete joke. Andrew Luck was hurt half the time he was there. The Jaguars are the Jaguars, and the Titans suck. So he does make the playoffs, but it's not like he was making the playoffs with like a competent roster or anything like that. So listen, okay, let's get back to the question. The answer to your question: How many points do they need? Is infinity. Because it's just, wow. it's not, it's not, it's not going to happen. Uh, Kansas City is absolutely winning that game. The interesting thing about the Texans, though, is that, and I'll, we'll get back to Kansas City in a second, but, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people think Indianapolis is on the rise, which maybe they are, um, but it's not because of Phillip Rivers, by the way. Tennessee no. had a good season last year, and then I guess you have Jacksonville in there. But I actually, even though I think Bill O'Brien is just, I don't have the words for him, I actually think the Texans are a decent play. This is a hot take. We'll get back to Kansas City in a second to win the Super Bowl. Here's why. Because they're 50 to 1 in some places. Oh. In some books, you can get them to, at 50 to 1. Now, in the AFC, what do we know? We know the Ravens and the Chiefs are awesome. Mm -hmm. We know that there's a couple teams that are behind them that are like pretty good, like Pittsburgh, but nobody fantastic. And we know that Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league and that this is a quarterback-driven league. So if you're going to give me Deshaun Watson and a former playoff team at 50 to 1 in what is a watered down AFC, at least relative to the NFC, I'm taking that every time. That is at least worth a $20 investment. And hey, let's just see if Deshaun, Deshaun Watson wills us to the AFC championship so we can hedge our bet. Let's hope that Kansas City somehow plays Baltimore in the divisional round because there's some sort of injury. I mean, listen, the AFC is not stacked. New England is not New England anymore. Like Deshaun Watson can do this. And it, again, I don't think it's going to happen, but at 50 to one, come on, that's an investment right there. I hate, I hate how much sense you're making tonight. This is starting to get frustrating. I'm sorry. Like I, I'm so, it, I'm very it's sorry. a great point. I mean, you know, just looking at it really, who else is in the AFC? Just looking at a couple of these teams, the AFC North again, the Ravens, the Steelers might be solid. I think, I think the Steelers make the playoffs, especially in a, an expanded version. Um, the Colts and the Jaguars, no. The Chargers, no. Like uh, the Broncos, maybe. You know, we talked about the over there. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of sneak in, especially again with that seventh spot. But it's interesting, man. It is definitely interesting. So I will tell you this: the line is not infinity. But if you were to guess what that line was, what do you think it is? So here's the thing. I, I don't know how much handicappers are, are compensating for for the lack of home field advantage, advantage because of social distancing. And it mm -hmm. sounds to me like because of the first few lines you just gave me that they're really not compensating for it as much as they should. I don't think therefore, so at all. I, yeah, I, therefore, I think there is sort of a, a built-in home field advantage there that may be a little bit inflated. And so I got to put that line. Man, that's interesting because everybody is so down on, on the Houston Texans. I can't believe I'm saying this, and I think it might be like crazy wrong. Ten and a half. Eleven. Good job. No dude. way. Yep. Eleven. Oh, I'm taking Chiefs. Texans. 
I'm taking the Texans. That's come on. I'm on, I'm on all the dogs week one. We'll talk to Nick later about this because he's he he's his acumen here is great. But tell me what you think. That seems like too many points. It does seem like too many points, but I saw a hysterical uh man, I need to look it up. Uh the as you were talking about before with the Chiefs being favored in that NFC divisional round or the uh the AFC divisional round, they win by 20. They're the Texans are up 24 to nothing. So I think I want to say the Chiefs were were favored by something like six or seven. So they literally were at plus 30 and still lost. And it's just insane how something like that is possible. And it is what it is. But I don't know, man. I don't think I think this early in the season, as you were saying, the social distancing, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I understand everything you're saying, but I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL works some magic like they did it for that Super Bowl in the Meadowlands. And all of a sudden, instead of it being 30 degrees, now it's like 45 and sunny. So at least there's a little bit of sunshine there. So we'll see what happens. But it's definitely it's definitely an interesting one. I do think um, I do think the Chiefs take that one home. But but we will see the Chiefs. Now, here's the thing. This would have been a hard start to the schedule, but it's the Texans, then the Chargers, then the Ravens, then the Patriots. So. The Patriots, while that used to be a pretty impressive game, I don't think that one's that impressive anymore. So of those first four games, I see them starting at a minimum three and one. Like they'll either beat the Texans or the Ravens in some capacity. So I don't I don't know. How do you feel about those first four games for the Chiefs? I actually think I actually think the Chiefs are going to take a very small step back this year. Let me ask you, is Chris Jones under contract? Did they franchise tag Jones or is, they he, franchise is he still holding out? They okay. franchise tagged him. He that means he will play, but he'll probably just won't go to training camp. That's kind of been the theme the last few years. That he's just gonna not go to training camp and just kind of show up a little out of shape, which I don't really understand because you're trying to play to get paid. So very confusing concept to me. But hey, agents and players, they know a little bit more about football than I do. So I have to give them that. Well, I'll tell you this. Chris Jones is is gigantic for that team. And when mm-hmm. he was out, I think it was at the front end of the play. He was actually out for that Texans game. And it's funny because I actually had a bet on Kansas City that ended up coming in, which is just so crazy. But I didn't realize, I thought that Chris Jones was suiting up for that game. And the moment I realized, and it was only like 30 minutes before kickoff, I was actually flying at the time. So I really wasn't at my computer like I normally am. And when I realized Chris Jones was actually not going to suit up, I got this stinking feeling in my stomach. I was like, oh, no, this is bad. And I don't think people really appreciate how good of a player he is and how much he generates for that defense. Mm -hmm. That defense isn't great. It's great because of Chris Jones to the extent it's great at all. So I think that's really important. I think they take a small step back. I like the Ravens to beat the Chiefs. I don't care where that game is. I don't know if you told me or not. I think the Ravens are winning the AFC. I think the Ravens are winning the Super Bowl. It's in Baltimore, and it looks like it's a Monday night game. So primetime, baby. Let's get it. It's going to be fun. Three. Week, week three, three, the two best teams in the league. That's that's actually pretty amazing. I'm interested. I'm definitely interested. Looking at the rest of the schedule, not really too much to write home about. They play the Bucks, which will be cool, um, and the Saints towards the end of the year. But other than that, I mean, this schedule is not very difficult looking at all. So I understand maybe act, like play-wise they take a step back, but I wouldn't – I mean, as long as Patrick Mahomes doesn't get hurt, this looks like a – 12 win team almost at a minimum honestly well so they play the afc east and the nfc south Mm -hmm. so yeah you have a couple good teams in the nfc uh south South. of course um namely the saints and the buccaneers but the afc east i mean what what are we really talking about here we'll see what happens with the patriots but i'm sorry but the the bills and the jets and the the miami dolphins they don't match up well at all (laughs) with that team that's three wins banked is in if everybody's healthy that's three banked wins right there exactly yeah i totally agree and i think it's definitely something that uh we'll 
we'll be paying attention to. Nick will give us some of his picks. Hopefully Nick's watching or he'll be listening to us and, and we'll see what he says. So we went from the Super Bowl winners. Now we kind of have to go to the Super Bowl losers. One thing about losing the Super Bowl is it's kind of hard to get back. And the one thing I will say when the Rams lost the Super Bowl a couple years ago, the, so the Patriots lose the Super Bowl a few years ago. Obviously they get back. The Rams lose the Super Bowl and then their team just gets decimated. Everybody leaves, then half of them get injured, and then they're not capable at really playing any anymore, and they don't even make the playoffs, which is more the trend than actually making it back. I would say, though, the 49ers, still a stacked roster. They mm-hmm. lost uh, DeForest Buckner. They traded him away, uh, and they utilized that to grab a first-round pick. They actually took took a wide receiver, which is kind of nice in the first round. So, I don't know, man. I think the 49ers, I think they make the playoffs, but do you think they actually can make it back to the Super Bowl? Yes. The problem is the NFC is so stacked. I mean, in my opinion, I know this sounds ridiculous. I think there's seven or eight teams that legitimately have a shot to actually make the Super Bowl. Where again, we talked about the AFC. I really think there's probably only three or maybe four, if you really want to make an argument, four teams that you you could say, oh yeah, I could totally see that. Of course, there could be an outlier there that that happens all the time. But no, I I don't like my money's not going to be on them getting back to the Super Bowl. I will I will tell you this though. I think Kyle Shanahan, if we leave Bill Belichick out of the conversation for a second because he's sort of like god-ish, I think Kyle Shanahan is arguably the best coach in the league. And I know he's blown some leads in the Super Bowl and you know that's kind of on him, but if you want to if you want to categorize as a ba- a guy as a bad coach for for 4 minutes or 7 minutes and you want to mm-hmm. disregard the other however many minutes or 16 and a half or excuse me like 20 and a half games in a season, you know, that's on you. But I, I if anybody can do it, uh, it's Kyle Shanahan. And, and they did have a problem in the middle of the year last year because their defense was hurt. If their mm-hmm. defense can stay healthy and Garoppolo can be just slightly above average with what they have done with their offense and what they can do with Kyle Shanahan, of course they could get back there. Is my money on it? Absolutely not. I think I, I completely agree with you. As Jimmy Garoppolo, don't lose me games. Win me a couple Maybe you can lose a couple along the way. I think it's fine. I think, again, their defense is still stacked. I think, I mean, they literally traded their starting running back last year because Kyle Shanahan does not give a shit about running backs. They got a fifth-round draft pick for Matt Breida, if I'm not mistaken. They did not care at all. They brought in another wide receiver that's not exactly like all the wide receivers they have that just run straight lines and run fast. So that's kind of nice. So we'll see, man. I don't really care about the Niners, I guess. We'll see. I think I said that on the live stream and some other people got angry at it for, you know, they're just not one of those teams that I pay too much attention to. So we'll see. Um, lost the last two Super Bowls they were in. And and one thing I will say to your point, you know, Kyle Shanahan and, you know, if he, he out in four minutes, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo makes one throw. They win the game and all that narrative is written away. And you know what we're talking about? Andy Reid just can't win the big one. You know, is Andy Reid that really good of a coach? You know, that's the thing. It's just crazy how in the NFL, it's just such snap decisions and all of it comes down to a couple plays here and there. It's just ridiculous. I mean, look at the Patriots. They could be, they could be nine and zero in Super Bowls and there's a legitimate, legitimate argument that they could be zero and nine in Super Bowls. It's insane. And, and sometimes that's just the way it works. So, and, and, and you do so many, you know, Michael, you do so many podcasts. And if you haven't already done a show on just how fickle people, people can be about narratives, yep. it's really crazy. You're right. So if Jimmy Garoppolo 
on that one throw. I don't know if, if you were referring to a specific throw. But Emmanuel Kittle, Sanders, where he overthrows oh, Emmanuel Sanders. Well, before that, he had he had George Kittle wide oh, yep. open, and he was too scared to go to his second read, and he just basically threw it in the dirt. And if they get a first down on that play, it's an easy throw. He's literally wide open about seven yards in front of Jimmy Garoppolo. He makes that throw. They get a first down. They can wind the clock down. It's The game is absolutely over. So I mean, yeah, you can you could talk you could talk about the Emmanuel Sanders thing all you want, but that the the seven yard throw was really why they lost the Super Bowl. It's just you know missing Emmanuel Sanders. Josh Allen misses all of his receivers. You know that's obviously the one that you're going to remember more than more than the other ones. Poor Josh Allen. You just had to, you had to throw that in there, man. I know you're not the biggest fan, but he's so tall. His arm's so strong. Why do you have to be like that? Why do you have to be like that? <laughs> he's so handsome too. He's very, and he's got moxie. But he's not as handsome as you see, and I think that's what the most important part of this conversation is. He's a great running back. We got to give him that. Thank you. Hey, by the way, speaking of narratives, you realize if the Houston Astros hadn't cheated their way to all the wins that they did, that Clayton Kershaw would oh. be thought of as like not only a World Series champion, but one of the one of the better pitchers of his time. But instead, notwithstanding that everybody knows that Houston cheated against him, instead, he will always go down in the books as a guy who choked. Now, granted, there were a couple times you could argue that he choked. But oh, all he yeah. has to do is win one World Series, which he would have if Houston hadn't cheated. And all of a sudden, that narrative has completely shifted. I'm sorry I'm changing the subject, but like, it's ridiculous how we can't think through these things. It's, um, I, I don't want to have this conversation right now, but I agree with you. I'm the biggest Clayton Kershaw apologist on planet Earth. So believe me, I'm, I'm on your side. I love him. What he did for seven years, just being just absolutely dominant is one thing. But we, we have to talk about the NFL because we're going to go on a tangent. And it, you don't want to be, I don't want to be on here for another hour, no offense or anything. And I don't think you do uh, I either. Hear you. But at the you, same man. time. So uh, I do want to go over the 49er schedule. Then I'd like to just touch upon week one a little bit. And then uh, mm -hmm. we'll we'll hop off here in a couple minutes. So the 49ers, Cardinals, Jets, Giants, my goodness, Eagles, and then the Dolphins and Rams, and then the Patriots. I mean, that's one loss, maybe, in the first maybe. seven games. Yeah, it's nice. That's real nice. Right? Like the Eagles, maybe, but it's in San Francisco. Uh, looks like a Sunday night game. Uh, the Rams maybe, but the last time the Rams played the uh, 49ers in San Francisco, they I think Jared Goff got sacked like a legitimate 11 times. So we'll <laughs> see what happens there. Um, they have then the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints. Okay, here we go. The Rams, the Bills, the Redskins, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks to end it. That thank you NFL. That's going to be an awesome, awesome game to end the season. Uh, there the, those seasons with potentially coming down to the title for the A or the NFC West. I apologize. How do you feel about this schedule? I mean, there's that weird run in the middle, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Rams, but oh, and Bills. So I guess you can talk about Josh Allen some more if you want. <laughs> so listen, I, I, so even if they were to split those games that you're talking about, those hard games, because of what they have on the front end, mm -hmm. they're pretty much a lock to make the playoffs yep. unless there's some sort of crazy injury, injury scenario. And frankly, in the NFC, like there's going to be the NFC playoff picture is going to be very loaded. So it's really just a matter of qualifying for the playoffs in the NFC. And then it's sort of like all bets are off because there's probably only going to be like one or two teams that are sort of like, you mm -hmm. know, only moderately good and everybody yeah. else is going to be just totally stacked. So the, the, the idea in the NFC is just make the playoffs and see what happens. Whereas in the AFC, you can sort of make the playoffs and then maybe coast a game or two until you have to face a real hard opponent. I would agree with you there. It does not look like the 49ers are going to have too much difficult making it into the playoffs, but we will see. 
about once they get there. So I do want to just pull up the week one schedule so we can talk about that a little bit because that will be fun. We've talked about a few of these games already, obviously, but Texans Chiefs to start us off. Uh, Bills Jets sounds like a week one game. Packers Vikings, that's going to be fun. Eagles Redskins, Browns Ravens. Um, what do you think that the uh, the line is on the Browns Ravens game? I... I don't care about the line because all I can picture right now is Odell Beckham on the sideline in the third quarter, just having a complete freak out session with himself or with a field goal net, because I, you know, I don't think he has a, a ton of patience and, and I just could totally see Lamar Jackson just running over that team with the running game and the receivers he has. I'm sorry. I, I went off on a tangent. You asked me about what I think the line is and it's at Cleveland. It is in Baltimore. Yeah. So that line has got to be, that's that's gotta be eleven. Ten. You're cl- you're you're getting pretty good okay. at this, man. You should you should do this for a living. Damn. <laughs> look at you. Getting. <laughs> um, so what else do we have? So we have uh Colts, Jags, whatever, Ravens, Panthers. That's a really weird Raiders, Panthers, I apologize. Bears, Lions, Seahawks, Falcons, Dolphins, Patriots. Uh let's just see, because that might be interesting. I'm curious. Did we talk about that already? How much the Patriots no, are favored by? No, we didn't talk about the line, I don't think. No. Five and a half to the Patriots. It's in Foxborough, so I guess that kind of makes sense. But Absolutely. A, I mean, I'd still take the, uh, the, the Patriots over the Dolphins. I do think the Dolphins did a lot this offseason, and I think the Patriots just lost a bunch of players. I don't really think they did anything to replenish, and I'd still take the Patriots over the Dolphins. I don't really think that's a question. So I have a hot take with some of the guys at Win Daily. And Damn it. it is, this is going to make sense, isn't it? It is well. No, I don't think it will actually, because I'm not even going to bother explaining it. I'm just going to give you my hot take, and I'm going to be out. So, okay. 2021, the Miami Dolphins win the AFC East. Okay, we uh, write that one down. Anybody listening, make sure to write that one down. Sia thinks the Dolphins win. Can we bet on that yet? I guess we'll have to ask Nick when he comes on if we can bet on. We can't. Okay. We can't. Rat. Yeah. Well, there has Sorry. to be a line somewhere, don't you think? Come on. <laughs> I just bet. bet I just bet on Outlaw Golf. There's no there, and I won. There is no line. Get no out line. of here. There ha- if you're betting on Outlaw Golf, Sia, there has to be a line somewhere. Get the heck out of here. Um, no a couple other games: Seahawks, Falcons. That's a one o'clock game in Atlanta, so you can pencil in Seahawks for a loss most likely there. Bengals, Chargers, weird game. 49ers, Cardinals, Bucks, Saints. Again, that's going to be fun. Cowboys, Rams, that should be fun. Sunday night game. Looks like it is going to be... Oh, no, I apologize. There's two Monday night games. I forgot. So the Giants-Steelers in the first Monday night game, that is uh, the only other game that I think could draw more ratings would be Giants, probably Cowboys. So the NFL is is uh, it let ESPN get something, which was kind of nice of them. How? What do you think the line to the Steelers-Giants game is? Um, again, we're factoring in home field advantage and we probably shouldn't, Do but the Giants have a home field advantage. Oh, it's in New York. Excuse yeah. me. Sorry. Oh, no, point. my, my apologies. I didn't, I guess I did not say that yet. Giants, uh, Steelers at Giants. So I, I gotta say Steelers four and a half, three, you're getting, eh, you okay. did better at the other ones. I'll give you that. <laughs> and then, um, the late Monday night game, which is, should be the Chris Berman, Trent Dilfer special, but unfortunately neither of them, I think are going to be on the call there considering uh, Titans Broncos. Very weird game. And yeah, I think it makes sense that nobody's going to watch it anyway. So it's, that's going to be fun. mile high. It is. Yes, correct. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. I already know I'm taking the Broncos in this game, no matter what the line is. I would imagine, you know, Tennessee's coming off a playoff run. 
I still think the Broncos are probably favored by one and a half. Three. Oh, wow. It's that yeah. high. Yeah, interesting. surprisingly. Right, the Broncos are getting respect. That's very interesting. All right. We'll see. We'll definitely see. But this was uh, this was a lot of fun, Sia. This was our second one. We plan on doing many, many more. Obviously, thank you to everyone that watched. Thank you to everyone that will be listening. This will now be released in podcast form tonight. And so you can listen to it tomorrow morning. Doing this more often, we're excited. Uh, in the near future, we're going to have on some of our other Win Daily friends, as we had on Jason this past week already. We're going to bring on Nick. I don't even know. Jason's butchered his name so many times. I honestly don't even know how to say his last name at this time. So I just call him Nick Sticks. Nick's Picks, Sticks, whatever the hell his name is. He's going to be coming on talking NFL schedule. Some of the team total over-unders, what he likes, some of the fantasy plays that he's excited for excited for in the season long he might even come on to talk a little more korean baseball and maybe some bat flips with me so we'll see what happens there excited to get on some people for ufc i know we didn't get to talk about it tonight kind of a little bit of a scheduling mishap but we'll get to try and do that next week because there's a few different matchups coming up in the ufc in a very short period of time so we're excited to get some of that to you guys and yeah, we're just here to have some fun. We're here to spread some wisdom, spread some knowledge, spread some positivity. I even forgot we're going to have JT on. We're going to have big Jim Thompson on. He's going to be talking a little bit about esports and the projection models that he created himself. So if anyone is interested, make sure to go check out the discord chat, sign up for a free, um, a free account and you can hang out with Jim Thompson and learn a little bit about esports over there. You can talk to Nick, learn a little bit about NFL and see what we're doing on there. But I am Michael Raziel. See ya. Really appreciate your time tonight, everybody. And I hope you make it a wonderful day.